0: Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Derek El Hydra. <laughs> Gender neutral <laughs> And Garrett hey everybody. And a uh, couple of, couple of housekeeping things before we roll into tonight's actual topic. Um, the The very first one, uh, because we neglected to mention this last week, is uh, our very own Garrett John Evans. Uh, came second in the recent SAPSA Nationals down in Cape Town in uh, standard. I don't recall what percentage he shot.
1: Gaz, ninety-eight, I think. Uh, yeah, it was about ninety-eight percent. 98 percent, awesome stuff, Gaz. It was like hardly down. any it was, points.
0: It was a baby's ball here. Yeah, it was. There was no. There was no difference there. Uh, no, 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 no perceived difference there. Obviously, there was a. A ranking well, difference, some, uh, but not very much. Not Gaze, very, guys did fucking well. Well done, guys! Thank you. Well Thank done, you. dude. Um, Sasha got another president's medal. Sasha took uh, high lady, not high lady because that's the wrong term. That's that's IDPA. Sasha yeah. took first lady in, in production optics. Um, I don't know if she was high or not. It's Cape Town, bruh. She might have been, but like that's irrelevant to this discussion. <laughs> Well done, Sash. Um Zama took first NPO. Hmm. Congrats, dude. Nicely done. Uh, then we
2: that's need his to mention. One, and he won convincingly as well. I think yeah. I think he won by like six percent over Sean Ross, who is an animal. Jeez. I don't I don't yeah.
0: recall the percentages, but like that's that's really good going. I think
1: Sean yeah, like 94%. Yeah, five and a half percent. Yeah, I mean, that's... Damn. That's, Nicely done, that's, dude. Yeah, good job, Sam. Uh,
0: next one. Uh, the day after Hangar Nationals, uh, our very own Tarek Nodia took uh, High Cripple <laughs> in 2CC. <laughs> well done. Um, he, he was certainly the fastest shooter there in a moon boot. <laughs> <laughs> I beat
2: all the other shooters in moon boots shouting no one like else moon was boot. stupid enough
0: to shoot in a moon boot <laughs> taking taking high moon boot <laughs> yeah. well done dude it's uh yeah good job it was good. it was worthwhile um looking at the uh at the current national log uh for pcc uh, yeah sure it was painful but totally worth it to to maintain that level on the logs despite moon boot. it did hurt
2: I don't I don't recommend it I'm That's sure it did It at me a lot I'm going to pay for this I'm I'm sure you're already Paying for it <laughs> And my so gun ran that. Like a stabbed rat Awesome Which Comp works Didn't Comp works Gun works It's the best gun for like Empty chamber starts And reloads Because it reloads like a pistol and there is just something cool about everyone going on about how useless my six grand little PCC is. But it's a
0: Beretta. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you'll, you'll notice that a, a lot of the names we just mentioned were, were mentioned on purpose, partially because we like all of them and uh, partially because they're all some way on Team Zero Mike. So Zero Mike Team One, uh, took first in the uh in the corporate teams. Um who was on that team? It's Gaz, Zama, uh, Mo, MZ, and, and Hisham Ali. Hisham Ali. There we go. Well done, guys. Uh I, again I can't remember. I seem to think it was quite a decisive win, but I might be mistaken. Um really well done, guys. Uh team ZM2 did pretty well as well uh they came in <laughs> to, at some <laughs> position <laughs> well done to the guys who were in uh, in, in team zm2 obviously the guys in team zm1 fantastic job Everyone shooting zm bullets uh spectacular guys. and uh yeah, you guys know the spiel uh zm website's up uh the factory has moved and production's back in full swing bullets are available uh, shipping is free in South Africa for orders over eight hundred uh, rand. So, uh, so get on it. I um, think uh, hit up Gaz or Sasha, who has
2: a new athlete page on Facebook. So, if you're on Bookface, please go like it, uh, and uh, you can hit either of them up for a discount code as well.
0: Fantastic. Okay, nice. that's the. Uh, I think that's the housekeeping done. Uh, well. That's maybe not the housekeeping done. Remember competitive coaching with Gaz. Um, hit him up, uh, Gaz Competitive Shooter on Facebook or email him at info at
1: uh, Yeah,
0: so hit Gaz up for that stuff. Uh, T will, once he can stand, be hosting some more courses. Uh, that's a trade secret at the moment, so shh. But once he's back on his feet properly, there will be some courses coming up. Yeah. When I can stand yep. a whole day. I mean, you're the teacher. Technically, you could sit down the whole day. Yeah. But I'm not like that.
1: <laughs> you stand so the students can sit safe. Hey? No well, fine, the know, students
2: need to stand.
0: Yeah, I need to be able <laughs> to walk around so that you know <laughs> to maintain safety. Coming coming soon. Eric is doing a new wheelchair course shooting yeah. <laughs> defensive lazy boy uh, I love that we should do that
2: <laughs> defensive lazy boy
0: yeah, yeah. I've had,
2: Okay. hit me up this week about a PCC course uh, another red dot course and I've totally redone one of the level 2 defensive courses uh, restructured it completely
0: <laughs> Awesome. We'll uh, obviously, let everyone know once he uh, is ready to teach again, and there is uh, there are some some firm dates on on when these are going to be happening. So, T Bag, tell us about tonight's topic. So, what we thought we would discuss
2: tonight is after a, a whole lot of sort of less serious shows and a whole lot of sort of gaming shows, we thought we would we would have a bit of a chat about accuracy. With regards defensive shooting, um, and 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 more specifically accuracy standards with regards defensive shooting, primarily because most people's accuracy standard with their defensive pistol is abysmal. Um, the the amount of self delusion and and basically just lying that people do to themselves uh, when they go shoot their carry guns is shocking and then you know there's i've seen a couple of discussions on the internet lately that have just that kind of sparked the the desire to do the show um because there's 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 a lot of misunderstanding about how pistols work, um firearms in general when it comes to to stopping attackers, uh, but bit pistols in, in, in particular, uh, and and a lot of a lot of self as a lot of self-delusion. And also a, a lot of incidents, incidences where uh fortuitous outcomes reinforce bad tactics. Um you know, my uncle fired a shot once from the hip at 17 meters and hit the dude in the pinky finger, and the dude ran away screaming. Ergo, the only way to shoot defensively now is to shoot from the hip at the pinky finger. Um, it's an absurd example, but but people do that. They they kind of ignore they ignore the the bigger body of of, of info out there to to focus on the one time not wearing a safety belt saved someone's life in a car accident. And then they then pretend that the 99 or 999 times it did save their life, doesn't matter, because my uncle was in a car accident and not wearing a safety belt saved his life. Um, I use that example because my family, nice. for 20, 30 years, no one wore a safety belt. Because of someone being in an accident, we're not wearing a safety belt saved their life. Um, so that's that's kind of what we thought we would we would chat about a little bit today. So it is just the so that when you're doing your sort of defensive training, you can better focus uh, your your sort of skill set, better focus your training time. Um, On on having a a useful standard as opposed to no standard, which is what most people have, or having a really easy standard, which is what the rest of them generally have. Uh, That's kind of where we wanted to come from with with this.
0: Cool stuff. So let's talk about uh, in in sort of high-level general stopping attackers. Uh, There are basically two kinds of stops. Uh, highly generalized, but two kinds of stop. there is what is the third? Carry on and I'll correct you. <laughs> so you get physiological stops and you get psychological stops. Um, psychological stops will be I present some form of aggression towards my attacker and they decide to go away. Uh, that could be presenting a firearm, um, no shooting at them hitting them in areas that are not significant uh, or not hitting them at all. Um, Security guard shows up, police shows up, uh, they're interrupted by third parties, whatever. They choose to exit the fight, okay? The other major one, and T's got a third one potentially, I can't think of right now, is physiological stops. Physiological stops uh, occur when you introduce sufficient trauma to stop him from being able to fight any further. Uh, that happens in a couple of ways. There is instantaneous stop, which is very hard to do. Uh, it's pretty much, there's, there's one area that really does that and it's pretty small and pretty hard to hit. Um, range them. There is, apparently there's two. T is going to tell us about that one as soon as I'm done here. Uh, <laughs> there is uh, taking out of, of major body structures, uh, things like uh, legs, which is not a good way of stopping people because despite the fact that he can't run after you anymore, he could still shoot you. Uh, And then the last one is causing sufficient bleeding uh, that they fail to be able to fight. And for that, you need to be hitting the heart or pretty much major uh, arteries. So you get major arterial bleeding. And even if you hit those, you still have a a countdown until that takes effect. It's not immediate. T bag, you had some some comments there.
2: I uh, I generally break it down slightly different to corn, but we're on very very similar pages. So yeah, um, to stop people and 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 this a very important thing to start this start this this discussion with, and it is somewhat gory and and somewhat morbid. Our goal as a defensive shooter is never to kill anyone. Um, and I think that's that's something that, that people sometimes get a little bit wrong about, sometimes get a little bit silly about. Our goal is to go through life and never shoot anyone. Our goal, if we do have to shoot someone, is to get them to stop their attack as quickly as possible. Um, unfortunately, the physiological means that that do that are are often fatal um but that's not our goal we we're not going we're not shooting to kill we're not doing any other silliness like that that we are we we're going to, and and this is kind of the point of the show today we're going to to target particular areas um but not with a not with an eye to to causing a fatality, but more with an eye to trying to get the attacker to stop what they're doing as quickly as possible. And 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 I need everyone to keep that bear that in mind can, throughout this chat.
0: Can I hop in there for one moment? So as T said, um, shooting someone always carries the uh, the possibility of of you know, being fatal, regardless of where you shoot them. Okay. How long it takes for, for that to potentially happen is, is a complete different discussion. But if you shoot someone, there's always the chance that they may die from that, that injury. Um, the difference between shooting to stop the threat and to kill, and this is a high generalization, is if we're shooting to stop the attack, we stop shooting as soon as the attack stops. If we're shooting to kill, you walk up and execute the dude when he finishes shooting at you. Um, One of those things is uh, morally defensible and is probably legally defensible depending on the situation. The other is never morally or legally defensible in South Africa, at least uh, for civilian shootings. There's obviously military stuff and things in, in conflict countries where those might be slightly different. But for private citizens, the difference between stopping and killing is as simple as that it's you stop shooting when the threat ceases sorry T. But,
2: no no excellent point and, and and that's something really important to bear in mind and, and discussions like this we you know we we see people screeching like idiots on, on the internet about shoot to kill and you know dead men leave no tales and, and rubbish like that and as cool. no, said, the only way to guarantee that you're going to kill the dude is to stick your gun in the back of the head and fire three rounds into his brainstem. Um, that's called being a murderer. That's not called. A, I can think of very few defensive shootings where that's going to be the uh, the. I mean, you know, never say never, but but there's very few where that's going to be the the, the logical sort of solution. But the shots we take are the shots most likely to stop him or her uh, rapidly are also the shots most likely to be fatal. So as Korn said, and I, I was giving him shit with the three, it, we just separated slightly differently. But um, psychological stops are, are really common and they're not something you can rely on. And, and psychological stops are, are the the person who goes, bang, fuck, i dead and falls over when they've been shot. For no physiological reason, the bullet hasn't necessarily hit anything with, that's immediately effective. There are cases of the bullet hasn't hit them, um, but the muzzle blast or, or the fear of the of the shot or whatever causes them to have a, have a reaction. We can't rely on that. Um, you know, it's if that happens, fantastic. You know, if if you draw your defensive pistol and and the attacker sees you going for the gun and turns around and runs away, you've stopped them. There's there's no need to fire any bullets. Uh, if if there's, there's, you you're, you're not the 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 angel of of justice or anything like that, if if they stopped before you had to shoot them, well, fucking done you win. Um Sometimes people hear the gunshot. Sometimes people get hit. Very often, people get and, and generally, if someone has immediately drops to a shot that doesn't doesn't damage the central nervous system, there's at least a a large psychological um, facet to that stop. So, you know, do takes a shot through the heart and immediately hits the ground. The um, immediately hit the ground is is very possibly a result of. Of a psychological reaction as opposed to a physiological reaction, um, we then have damage to the central nervous system, which is the brainstem or the upper spine. Um, if you can if you can sever a spine, everything below that is going to be out of function. And if you do that to the upper fine, spine, that's it. Those of you who hunt, or, or those of you who uh, who know hunters, if you if you hit an animal in the spine. I've, I've hit a few animals in the spine where they, their feet literally didn't leave the spot where they were standing. They, they got bowled over. And it, despite the fact that my rifle is in the greatest caliber in the world ever, it wasn't the caliber that did that. It, it was the, the severing the spine. Um, the challenge with that from a defensive point of view is your, your spinal cord is about the diameter of your pinky finger. Um, it's deeply embedded in your body. It's got a big bony case. Uh, so the bullet's got to do a lot of things to get to it, and realistically, most people couldn't couldn't shoot a pinky finger diameter target five times out of five at five meters in their own time with no pressure. Um, I'm not saying everyone, I'm sure some of you listening to this, often the same people who do carry a full-size service pistol and five mags and three knives and a weapon-mounted light everywhere can do that every time. Um, A lot of shooters aren't capable of doing that. Uh, The other thing is obviously the brain stem. Um, And something to bear in mind is headshots are not necessarily brain shots. Headshots are often... Really effective, even if they aren 't brain shots, if you think about slam your your head into a wall don 't do that while you 're listening, especially if you 're not if you 're driving um, but if you bump your head into a car or or it it 's often quite immediately sort of uh, disconcerting to you and if, if that 's a gunshot it can be it can be really really brutal um, i I was chatting to a mate of mine who's a paramedic about a, a shooting he dealt with recently where the victim who unfortunately um, didn't survive was shot twice in the face with, we're not too sure what, but it was two two wounds that if you looked at them, you would think are going to be pretty effective. And while they were eventually fatal, he did walk approximately 20, 25 meters from where he was shot before he collapsed. Um, So even though he was shot in the face twice, The most famous example of that is obviously um, a US law enforcement officer by the name of Jared Reston, who's who's second, and he's spoken on a lot of podcasts that are well worth listening to. Um, His second shooting, his most famous shooting, where he discovered he was in a shooting when the bad guy shot him in the mouth with a 45 at point black range. That's how he knew the fight started. Um, He won that fight, um, but, you know it 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 was there was an immediate effect from 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 that 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 shot uh but if we can get it if if the bullet goes into the brain stem it's going to be it it's a it's a switch um brain stem and upper spine is generally a switch response as in it goes from on to off uh generally with mo- most sort of uh most aim points taught um you're you're kind of going for blood pressure loss. You're, you're trying to get the guy's blood pressure to drop to a point where he's no longer a threat, um, which is what happens with generally with shots to the upper chest. The obviously the 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 thing to bear in mind with that is that's a timer. Um, you can you can hit him clean through the heart, and he's he's still going to have enough oxygenated blood in his brain and 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 that sort of thing. That he he could be functional for a, enough time to pose a threat, um, so that's going to start a timer. And 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 the thing we need to bear in mind, and kind of the the topic of the show, is that's going to start a much quicker, more effective timer. than if you put that same bullet in his gut, um, the bullet in the gut may prove fatal, um, but it may take him three days to die. Uh, and remember, our goal wasn't a fatality. It was to get him to stop. Um, it may not stop him. In fact, it may t- it it might just make him more angry, or it may take even longer to stop him. But it's not. It, it and it may prove fatal, but that's not going to have a a, a real outcome on whether you stop him from attacking you. Uh, which is, as I say, a big part of the discussion of the show. The other thing is is structural damage. Um, Shots to to the pelvis are sort of the classic one. And as Korn mentioned, you know, something to bear in mind is people talk about shoot for his legs. Um, There's two downsides to that. One, it's a pretty hard shot. Two, actually there's three downsides. Two, you you may cause that structural damage without taking him out of the fight. And three, you may still kill him um, because there's some large blood vessels that flow through your legs that if you put a bullet through, are going to kill you as sure as a bullet through your heart or, or, or aorta. So shots to the leg. And, and and this is something we need to bear in mind. We start increasing risk to, to innocent people, um, which is a big part of, of what we're going to discuss today. Um, you still have a good chance of killing him, but you've reduced your chances of, of stopping him from being an immediate threat. Uh Pelvic shots are super controversial. Um, the most effective handgun shot I've ever seen on a human being was a single round of nine-mile hardball um, that caused an immediate one-stop shot stop. Uh, the person hit, hit the ground so hard that they cracked the vertebrae in two places, sort of thing. Um, but there are, there are cases mm-hmm. of that not being super effective. And the fact is that shot is not going to take you... T- necessarily physiologically take away your ability to, to continue shooting um, as Corn mentioned earlier it's just going to take it'll generally take away your ability to move um, not always um, but often uh, so that's kind of what we're looking at now that kind of leads into what we want to chat about but before I start that Gaz do you have anything to say sorry before I am on
1: no, 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 I've got nothing to say. I think you guys have covered all of that nicely.
0: You're not going to say that, uh, like, choose a Glock or...
1: Well, naturally, you should have a Glock, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff. They work good. Yeah.
0: Just uh, be, before, we, before we continue, um, that timer thing uh, where it may prove fatal at some time in the immediate or distant future, uh, but might not be an effective stop. Uh, I don't interact on, on, on online forums and things much anymore, but I used to see it quite often where guys would be, uh, more people have been killed by 22 long rifle than any other caliber. Like, I don't know if that's true or not. It may be, but it doesn't help If he, and again, we're not trying to kill them, but it doesn't help you if he dies in hospital seven days later Mm -hmm. um, after he's beaten your skull in with a hammer because you failed to stop him from getting to you with a hammer. Um, Which is another reason we don't shoot to kill because we don't really care about the ultimate outcome. We care about stopping bodily harm occurring to us or those we love. Um, that's the, the the thing that we're we're trying to do. So, saying that uh, this particular caliber causes more fatalities is irrelevant. Uh, it it has no place in in this particular discussion. But forty five, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, stop uh, No, that, that that kills the soul.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if if you shoot if you shoot him in the hip with a forty five, his grandmother will fall and collapse and die. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's one of those. You know th- that comes up all the time. Two two kills more has killed more people than anyone else. No one has yet shown me any. Uh, I've also heard the same about six three five or two five, um, which I definitely don't believe. Two 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 possibly just because there's so many of them out there. Um, n- n- it's one of those magical statistics that n- no one's ever been able to show me a source for, uh, and yeah, it's. <laughs> Malaria has definitely killed more people than gunshots historically, um, but the the bite of the Anopheles mosquito, to my knowledge, has never been an instant one-shot stop.
0: Um, so you've never like when your enemy sort of shows up and is ready to take you down. You've never released the mosquitoes from the net and let them you know, deal with the problem.
2: Oh my! Ah 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 ah! The annoyance is this noise.
0: Because a six to nine month stop was not quite effective enough, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When he gets this, this the third time, he's done. Um, <laughs> so Unless he's wearing that magic bulletproof, you know, that, those anti-malaria tabs.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he's got tabard. Um, <laughs> and, art. And this this kind of leads us to, there's a, there's a lot of sort of myths around and, and there's a lot of, Sort of things I think that are misunderstood. So one one of the things we need to bear in mind when it comes to, to sort of accuracy standards is, and this isn't an original thought, but it remains true. There's there's no such thing as a miss in a gunfight. Um, every bullet you fire will hit something. Um, it you you ideally it'll it'll hit the attacker. Um, it may hit a wall. It may hit a car. It may hit an innocent bystander. Um, so. Anything that that misses didn't miss um, because bullets don't just vaporize. They come to rest in something. So it is your responsibility to do everything in your power to ensure that those bullets come to stop in something lit safely, uh, not an innocent passerby um, and ideally not in sort of people's property. Uh, so... That's one of the things we need to we need to kind of accept. Um, handgun bullets don't stop people through magic, through pain. Um, getting shot hurts, but generally, if you speak to most people who've been shot, it doesn't hurt straight away. Um, a lot of people who've been shot, a lot of people who have been shot, are not immediately aware that they've been shot. Um, some sometimes it can take quite a while before they they notice sometimes they notice and just don't care. Um, But there are a lot of cases of people getting shot and not realizing they've been shot until either they see the wound or the blood or someone else points out the wound and the blood to them. Uh, So that's something that we we need to be aware of that don't go, oh shit, getting shot's going to hurt because yes, it is. But once again, it may not hurt immediately. It may not be something that's gonna stop them immediately. It's got to be those things we discussed earlier, um, those switches and timers. And you know, the, the other thing that we come across quite often, and this is one of those those bugbears of mine, is guys who go on the shooting range, they they wank off rounds at a giant cardboard silhouette, and then they make comments about spread the love. Um, you have to spread the shots to spread their effect. And if you put two shots in the same hole, then they're going to be less effective because the second shot's going to go through the hole that's there already. Um, If you can do that on a paper target, no matter how good you are, you're very unlikely to do that on someone trying to kill you. But if you can do that on a paper target, you're a lot more likely to actually hit the person trying to kill you. Uh, as I recall, Larry Vickers reckoned <laughs> your, 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 shooting, your, your groups on the, on, in training are probably going to be, or your groups in a fight are probably going to be two or three times bigger than your groups in training. So if you're just managing to keep everything on that big cardboard silhouette, and something to bear in mind, an IDPA silhouette or the old IPSIC metric targets and that, that target is wider across its torso than I am. Um, and I'm a big dude uh i'm I'm probably a lot bigger than than the average sort of attacker you're gonna have to deal with um and a lot of those peripheral areas on on me are are very very relaxed muscle um and are therefore <laughs> things that are not gonna cause an immediate stop. so that's something to to bear in mind as well i in 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 my own sort of training when, when I use, and I often use IDPA targets because I have a pile of them at work and they're relatively convenient, um, I kind of consider in training anything that hits what an IDPA target is, the minus one, sort of the charlie sort of area on an IPSC target, I consider that a miss. Um, and I consider anything that hits the minus three, sort of the delta area, I consider a really bad miss. Um, because... If take that target, hold it up against yourself, that eighteen circle is the absolute biggest target area we should ever really accept. And it's probably too big. Um if you look at what if you look at where bullets in that that minus one would hit on your body, um, yes, none of them are going to be nice. There's no part of your body I can shoot you and that'll make you feel better. But most of those areas are going to be areas where there's there's nothing there's no immediate physiological reaction to being shot, um, except to bleed. There's there's no there's nothing there that that's dramatically important. Um, so that's something we need to bear in mind. We need to look at realistic sort of target sizes, realistic target areas, and then maximizing our skills so that when we deal with these things. If our skill set suffers because of, and it's probably going to, and this is something guys, you know, get wrong as well. They do a whole, well, you know, in a gunfight, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, or Z. You're going to write, you're not going to write to the level of the fight. You're going to default to your level of training. Um, if we can keep that that training level to a really high standard, a we're more likely to default to a really high standard, and B, if our our skill set suffers and our group size doubles. Um, we still have something we can work on. Uh, if, if your best ability is to put everything all over that giant piece of cardboard and I now double or, or treble that group size, uh, we have a lot of bullets not hitting the bad guy, which means they're doing nothing to stop him. And even worse, they're now potentially endangering innocent people. The 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 tighter your and and I'm not talking about bullseye shooting. I'm I'm talking about whatever defensive training you're doing, having a a a, a really tight accuracy standard. The tighter it is, the more that as it suffers, we're still going to get reasonable hits and and you know the the shots we pull might land in that minus one on the IDPA target where they may not be immediately effective, but at least they've hit the bad guy. Um, and the other thing we seem to see is not always but but often as a rule the better you're shooting in training the less um of a of a decline in performance we see when you shoot for real uh because you've got better skills hardwired in um so if you're capable and 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 obviously this is there's there's a degree of generality here but if you're capable of of shooting to a high standard Then you're probably you're gonna probably suffer a loss in you're not gonna be as good as you are when you're all nicely warmed up on the range, but you're probably gonna suffer a lower loss and probably a much lower loss than the person whose skill set is I I fire rounds in the direction of that target and sometimes put some bullets on it and then lie to everyone about how that's what I plan to do because I was spreading the hits. Does that make sense?
0: yeah, It's, it's yeah. the inverse of training, um, which makes no sense when I say it like that, but I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate. If you go to a a fundamentals class, and I'm going to use fundamentals class specifically here. The people with the least amount of time behind guns, so be it new shooters or shooters have been shooting for decades, but they never actually shoot. They will typically gain a lot more skill in that one sort of Hmm. distracted session than guys with a lot of time on the gun and who shoot regularly will gain. So those guys may gain, the guys at the bottom of that, that list may gain 50, 60% or whatever on their, their initial skill. And the dudes at the top are going to gain 5% if they're lucky. Okay. They might gain one thing, but that same thing happens when you get to the fight. Where the dudes who gain fifty percent or sixty percent in one training session because they never train uh may lose fifty or sixty percent in one fight, hmm. where the dudes who train sufficiently are going to lose a much smaller percentage of skill under stress they're still going to lose don't don't get that wrong you're still going to give something up, but it'll be much smaller than guys who never train
1: yeah, you're working to a smaller ratio,
0: hmm. yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the
1: thing is, if we look at – and
2: this is where there is, once again, a bit of crossover from from the sort of competition guys to the defensive guys that a lot of people don't understand is the guys winning matches, there's, there's this perception that they're hosing really fast and they're putting two on the brown thing so quickly that it makes up for everything. And I don't know, maybe that was true 30 years ago. I, I wasn't shooting competition 30 years ago. Uh, I'm, I know I'm old, I'm not that old. Um, but it's definitely not true now. Uh, and what what we see now is the guys who are, who are winning and doing well are, as a rule, shooting between 90 and 95% of the available points on a stage. Um, they're shooting a lot of A's. And while guys often like to look at the... The 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 IPSC um, classic target, the amoeba, and you know it it doesn't uh, it's like a super not realistic target. Hana hana hana. Do yourself a favor, take one of those, cut the a zone out, and overlay that on your upper chest, and you'll sh- be shocked to see how
1: anatomically useful that target actually is. Um, it's almost you put them accurate. Sorry, yeah, it's almost more accurate than an IDPA or a metric. Yeah,
2: because, sure. I, I mean, the metric A zone is just idiotic because, like, the bottom half of that target, to be honest, is um, it, it's all below the diaphragm and, and is kind of useless for, for the topic at hand. Um, mm-hmm. But you take the amoeba, you, you put the bottom of the A zone sort of at the bottom of your sternum um, and look at what that target area covers, and it's all pretty important stuff. Um, I'm not saying that it's the the ideal target for, for all your defensive training, but what I'm saying is it, the, the guys who are doing well in that sort of field are hitting that a lot more times than they're not. Um, so we can shoot at a reasonable degree of accuracy relatively fast. And generally the shots we require in a match are a lot more difficult than the shots you're likely to see in, in a defensive shooting. Um you 're substantially less likely to be shooting at a twenty five meter obscured target in a defensive shooting than you are in a match. Um, yes, it happens, but uh, you know it's the typical um, defensive shooting doesn 't look like that. The typical defensive shooting is is substantially closer than that um, so if we can if we can hit that sort of um, that accuracy standard a for, for the competition shooters if you take the approach in, in everything except speed mode training, that a Charlie is a Mike, um, you're probably going to become a better shooter. Uh, a little bit of an aside, there's a famous story about when, when, when Eric was learning to shoot, apparently they'd go to the range with six mags and every time he shot a Delta, his dad would take one of his mags away. So when he shot his six Delta, his day was done. Um, well, he's the greatest practical pistol shooter in the world ever. So, he he's not hosing rounds and 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 hoping to hit the brown thing twice to, to get to that level. So, this is a, a long roundabout way of going. We need to we need to make sure that 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 when we're training, we're training to a very high accuracy standard and and a much higher accuracy standard than than what most people are doing because. The, the the areas most likely to have an immediate effect are pretty small. Um, in fact, they're about the size of your fist. Uh, that's that's what we're ideally trying to be able to hit. So we we want to make sure that that our skill set is is such that we can keep shots to that sort of standard. So first things first. If you can't, at five meters, keep every shot in the black of a B8 target, um, don't worry about what bullets are in your gun. Don't worry about what the timer says. Don't worry about anything else. Until at five meters, you can on demand hit the black in a B8 ball, which is a five and a half inch target. Um, It's about the size of my fist. I I have normal size hands, so they're bigger than most people's, but it's it's roughly the size of my fist. that needs to be step one. We need we need to have have be able to hit that size target on demand. Um I'm not saying speed is irrelevant. I I'm I'm the last guy to tell you that. But I see guys getting so focused on how fast they can do everything while not having the skill set to 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 make the the necessary accuracy. And and one of my sort of bugbears, and this is this is one of those things that kind of gets in my tits a bit is it's become very fashionable of late because it looks really good on the grams for guys to, to do lots of draw the gun and shoot six or eight rounds as fast as you can at a giant steel silhouette, the size of an, of an, of an IPC sort of metric target the, you know, the old ones with the heads and go, this is really good defensive training. Um, and, and it's also become very fashionable in a lot of circles to to have to teach guys to just hose rounds into the the, 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 the target until it eventually goes down. Um, now, while I do think we need we need to keep shooting until he's no longer a threat, um, which may mean zero shots, it may mean a hundred shots, uh, but we need to make sh- we, we need to consider a couple of factors. That's a fantastic technique if you're fighting a war somewhere with a platoon of your buddies where you've got a rifle with a 30-round mag, seven spare mags, and all your Chinas have got rifles with 30-round mags and seven spare mags. So if you put 14 rounds in bad guy number one, well, A, you've still got more rounds than that in your gun, B, you've got more rounds than that on your body, and C, you've got a whole lot of people to back you up. Uh, If you are walking to your car after buying bread and milk and you've got a Smith & Wesson shield down the front of your pants and you put seven rounds in bad guy number one and then his china starts shooting at you, you're in a really shitty situation. Um, And that's not to say we may not have to do that, but what we need to do is we need to try and... Maximize our training time and 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 focus our, our training time so that we have v- relevant and viable skills. Uh, the other thing is realistically, especially in SA, you're go you're going to have a much harder time explaining why you shot the dude sixteen times. Um, it it's you know it, it's awesome to do the whole oh well you know why did you shoot him sixteen times because only had one magazine. I don't want to be that dude in court. Um tactically and I hate that word, but tactically you've put yourself in a really bad position because there may be no more gun, bullets in your gun. Um so you now have a very hard time stopping his chinas from attacking you. Um and and we've we've got the the downside of I've fired all these rounds. Um you know why, why and and what's he doing while I'm firing all these rounds? Uh And and this is one of the things that, on another little sidetrack, but I think very related, a lot of people's defensive pistol training is LARPing. Um, We we, we talk about defensive pistol training, and then what we want to do is do parachute landing falls, and we get all jocked up with our freaking... um, you know, our plate carrier and all our cool guy shit. And this is how we train and we take the the, the G17 or the P10F or insert full-size service pistol of, of choice here. And we build all these awesome skills around having 20 rounds in the gun and and three spare mags in the belt. And then we dr- we drive home, that gun's in the bottom of the bag and we've got the G43 on us or we've got the G43X or we've got the shield or whatever or we've got the g19 and the spare mags in our back pocket as opposed to four on our belt Um, be very careful of lopping your defensive pistol training it if you want to lop that's cool um i'm not going to judge i might kink shame but don't confuse that with something useful uh don't confuse running around you know If you're an accountant, the chances of you needing a chest, uh, you know, wearing a plate carrier with four spare mags and having an M4 when you get in a fight is pretty damn low. Um, The chances of you having that other little gun, which might, God forbid, be a 38 snub that you carry all the time, uh, that you never shoot because your friends laugh at you and because it's hard to shoot. Um, You need to make sure that, that you're doing useful and and realistic sort of training and testing with the gear that you carry in the way that you carry it. So I'm a very big fan of, of BH replacement centers. And what I do is I print them out on a, um, on an A4 piece of paper. So you lose some of the side rings because those aren't super relevant. The big thing is the nine ring, the black on that target is a five and a half inch circle. It's, it's a fist size target. Uh, if we place that on, a, on, on an IDPA-style target, if we can keep our shots in that sort of area, um, those are significant and, and useful shots. And that's not to say you, you're necessarily going to get them every time in a fight. Uh, but you're more likely to if that's what you're doing in training. Um, and you're also more likely that if you pull one off, that it's the equivalent of the seven or eight ring on that target as opposed to that pinky finger hit. We discussed earlier, so that's it, it. You're giving yourself a solid base that sets you up with the maximum possibility of success, uh, and that's probably not going to. That's probably not going to be conducive to a one-second draw for most people. Um, you know, the one-second draw has become sort of the cool guy internet thing. I would, I would be more comfortable if at five or seven meters or whatever. I could in one and a half seconds on demand from my carry rig hit the black of a B8 every time than if I could do a point eight somewhere on the brown thing some of the time. Uh, because I think that that one and a half second draw to the black is going to be a lot more successful um, in, in doing what we need to do.
0: Make sense? Yep, that makes sense. So, so a couple of things on that. Um, First one, one second draw. Fast draws are cool. Fast draws are awesome. Fast draws are totally worth the effort. There is diminishing return after some point, but fast draws are totally worth the effort required to get a fast draw. Drawing quickly and shooting quickly are not the same thing. Um, Your one second draw does not need to be, and usually in defensive situations probably won't be, a one second draw to fire the round. It'll be a one second draw to, I have my firearm presented. I am ready to fire. And then it'll take however long it takes to make the required shot. Now, we want that that span of time to be as as small as possible, but it has to be to make the required shot. If you get a shot off in 1.1 seconds, that hits nothing of value. Uh, And when I say of value, it doesn't hit the bad guy in any area that, that sort of, Count counts, it starts a clock. It is irrelevant how quickly you did that. If you do a one second draw and it then takes you another second to fire an effective round, you're better off in most situations. I'm sure there, there are some situations where the, the faster round somewhere on the target might make a difference, but in general, being faster to your first round is irrelevant. Being fast to gun presented and ready to fire is really important. Firing round as quickly as possible, but making the shot that is required much more important. I mean, historically, he who fires the first shot may or may not win the fight.
2: It, it, it's generally irrelevant. Um, historically, we know that he who or she who gets the first hit um, is yeah. more often than not the victim. Uh, uh-huh. So that's something we need to bear in mind. and And we also want to tie in with that We need to be careful that we're not outrunning our headlights. So a blazing fast 0.7 draw from concealment, it's a wonderful skill to have. And if you can do that, A, you're a lot better than I am, um, and B, that's fantastic. But also bear in mind, to kind of tie in with what Cornet said, is that that's possibly going to be drawing faster than you can see and faster than you can think. Um, so you may blaze out with that gun and fire a shot on a dude who may not need shooting anymore, or may not need shooting yet. Um, so that that's something we need to bear in mind. It's it's like shot to shot speed. You know, fast splits are awesome. If if you can shoot ten splits, more power to you. Funny enough, the guys winning matches are not necessarily shooting the fastest splits. Um, but it's a nice skill to have. And and just like with matches, and this is where, once again, there's some, there's some crossover and, and why I think it's a good idea to be shooting competition. Someone like Gaz or, or any sort of good competition shooter is probably not shooting splits in matches that are as fast as the splits they're shooting in, in practice. They're, they're Because, well, not all in practice, but they're not running splits in match, matches that are their maximum rate of fire uh they, it the the faster i can do it in practice and training then the better i'm going to be the better off i'm going to be when i'm doing a slightly slower in a match same thing in the defensive situation if you can shoot 15 splits that's awesome um if you're shooting 15 splits in a fight there's a good chance you're not aware of what's happening between those shots so you may have that that situation where you've put the third round into the dude and dude's gone, I don't want to be here anymore. This is not awesome. And then you put the next six in his back because you're going, how many cases can I get in the air at, the t- at a time? Um, mm-hmm. We're responsible for every shot we fire. I want to be able to do those 15 splits because it means that if I'm in a fight and I'm shooting at a 40 split or a 30 split or something that to some of you competition shooters will sound like a ridiculously long period of time, um, but it means that if 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 I can shoot a fifteen split, if I'm shooting a fifty split, I am so in control. It's it, it's you know it it it's hard to describe. I'm I'm nowhere near running the ragged edge. If my practice splits are fifties, and now I'm shooting fifties in, in the fight, I'm, I'm running on the on on the the edge of my performance. Uh, same thing in a match if I'm shooting everything as a 25 and I shoot at a 25 in a match, then I'm kind of running on the edge of my performance. If I shoot a 20 in practice and I shoot a 30 in a match, I, I'm, I'm feeling a lot less hurried. I'm feeling a lot less pressured. I have less of that internal sort of pressure that, that I, I don't feel like I'm in control. So at no stage are any of us going to say to you that a really high skill level is a bad thing. It's is it's probably not going to be super necessary. You probably, the ability to do a set two second build rule is probably not going to be the difference between you winning and losing the fight. Um, in most fights, on the outliers, the ability to do that means that if you're once again, as I say, running at 40 splits instead of 20 splits, you're going to feel in control. You're going to have more info available to you. You're going to be able to shoot better. You, you're not going to be you're going to have the stress of this person trying to kill you, which is going to be pretty fucking stressful, but you're not going to have the stress of you trying to deal with your gun. Um, and, and that's from every level. If if you're uncomfortable picking up the gun and just trying to shoot it, um, that's already a stress level. We, you need to be comfortable with, with safely handling that, 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 that blaster. Um, you need to be comfortable with shooting it relative, you know, accurately. You need to be, be comfortable with shooting it at a, a relative rate of speed, um, you, you don't necessarily have to be a, a, a gas level shooter. Um, it helps, you know, and, and it's a cool thing to do on the side. Uh, but that's the, the difference between if you're a, if you're a B class IPSC shooter or a, or an IDPA expert, you've probably got all the shooting skill level you're ever going to need. Um, from a pure mechanical point of view uh, if you're a gas level shooter you've got a bigger safety margin um, so that you're if something goes wrong you have got that safety so in those outlier sort of situations where the the challenge is that much more difficult um, you've got a little bit more to to call on and and that's why we do this because fights in general are outliers so if you can improve that skill set, that's awesome, but make sure you're improving it um, on viable stuff uh, and, and on stuff that's going to be valuable and, and usable. Uh, you know the, the weekend only malfunction clearance is a cool skill, but once again, if you can't, if you can't on demand keep in everything in the black of a B8 at five meters with no time limit, don't do anything else. And and, until you can do that, and it's it's not a particularly high bar, to be realistic, but it's a higher bar than a lot of people can reach. Um, But if you can't do that, then all the cool guy shit is irrelevant. Yes, you can stand on your friend's shoulders and shoot over walls. Wonderful. But if you're not hitting anything, why are you making your friend's shirt dirty and (laughs) standing over cover? (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) Once again, bullets have got to hit things to be effective
1: Yeah So on on that as well, just to clarify Mm. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong at any point But if we make a a clear line between competition and defense Competition, we get to a stage We get told how many targets there are What the targets are And we know beforehand How many times we're going to have to engage that target To get the score Mm. Still has to be done, etc When it comes to defense, we're not told all of those things beforehand. We have to analyze and strategize those things as they're happening. And the better that your skills are, the better you're going to be able to analyze and strategize that specific situation. How many attackers are there? Is the attacker stopping? What's the attacker's friend doing? Those are all things that you can now analyze in between mechanical manipulation of your firearm. Mm. The higher your skill level is, the easier that actually is. Hundred percent.
0: The less the, the, thinking you have to do about shooting, the more sort of brain power you have available to solve problems. That's yeah. it. The the
2: the the, the, the more hardwired skill, hardwired your skills are, the 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 more overlearned or, or the more automaticity or whatever cool guy term guys are using this week, you have on your skill set, the more RAM, if you'll forgive a hopefully correct computer analogy you'll have available to deal with things that are happening. If you are physically having to think about how do I, so, oh shit, okay, there's a bad guy. I need to, I, I, he's got a gun, he's shooting at me. I now need to clear a concealment garment, get a grip on my gun, get my other hand on my gun. Try and line up the sights, try and pull the trigger without the gun moving. Try and aim at, at, a, at, a, at an anatomically significant part of him, the gun goes, off, oh, fuck it recoiled. OK, now I've got to do all of this again. Um, you don't have any brain power left to deal with how he's reacted to the shot, or you know so if, if you've managed to hardwire those skills and you start the draw and dude goes, "I don't want to be here." Well, you've got the brain power to go. Oh, I don't need to shoot this guy because he's just started running away. Or you fire you fire around and he starts dropping on that first round because your wonder bullet did what the the advertiser said. You don't need now need to keep pulling the trigger. Or more likely, you fired around. He has absolutely no reaction to the round, so you now continue. But you've got you've got that sort of um, brain power available to process what's happening around you, to process the, oh shit, someone just stepped behind him. Oh shit, someone just stepped in front of him. Not, how do I make this machine that I'm scared of work? Uh, you know, it's like driving a car. If you're an experienced driver, something happens, You, you how many times has it happened that you've corrected? Uh, you know, you've, you've steered past what could potentially have been a fatal accident And three minutes later, you've forgotten about it. And when it happened, you kind of – you stared and went, oh, fuck, what was that? And you carry on driving uh, because you've got those skills hardwired. And and we want to have the same thing with our pistol. Uh, And we want to have the – to the extent as well with the accuracy thing that, A, we have a a reasonable idea of where we want our bullets to go and we have a skill set where we can put those bullets where they need to go, Um, not just –
0: hopefully at him somewhere so can we talk a little bit might be Mm. diverting things away a little bit we can we can always park this and come back to it if necessary Mm. can we talk a high level about importance of skill so if you had to select some skills to to work for defensive purposes what would they be so obviously accuracy would be number one on the list
2: Hmm.
0: number two would be the ability to bring the gun into the fight so a draw accessing your gun in some way number three well i don't know it won't be reloads reloads are going to be further down the list it may be maybe and there's there's a way to to work around this which is a really good thing for everyone to do maybe number three is malfunction clearance Because people are more likely to induce malfunctions in gunfights, Guns don't malfunction more in gunfights. People tend to induce more malfunctions during times of stress. And the way to get around that is to shoot some competition because believe it or not, even though the the level of stress might not be the same, uh, we see a lot of induced malfunctions in new competition shooters because the stress level is something that they're not used to. So shooting some competitions will help you stop inducing malfunctions or at least minimize the odds of you inducing malfunctions. But so accuracy first, putting those rounds where they should be. Number two, being able to bring the gun into the fight. Uh, so that's draw or accessing your gun or, or however you, you carry it. Number three, I think might be malfunction clearance. Um, number four might be a very distant reload or something. Um, we can shooting is probably not on my list of stuff. Um, it's a valuable skill to have, shoot some competition, you'll, you'll learn how to do it, but it probably won't be on my list of stuff to work immediately. We can malfunction clearance of a belt and weekend can reloading while sticking the gun between my legs is probably not high on my list. Accessing my gun from the opposite side of my body with my hand contorted because I have to shoot we from the draw, not high on my list. Conceivably, those things could happen, but they'll be so far down on my list of things that I think are important uh, and uh, valuable in the general case. There might be specific areas where that turns out to be valuable, but in the general case, they're not as as important. How would you rank those, T? Okay, so the, the only real, the biggest change
2: I'd make to that, and it's a little bit of a a, a sneaky one, but I I, I think it's important. Priority number one to me is the ability to handle the gun safely, and it, and it sounds silly. No, that's, a, if you're, that's If you if you're carrying a gun, you're going to be carrying a gun every day. You're going to be handling a gun every day. You're not going to get in gunfights every day. Um, so are honestly your biggest this is a this is a challenging one to word because people can get a bit funny about it, but. You, if, if you're unsafe, you're going to be your biggest threat to yourself. Um, yep. So, for me, priority number one is being able to handle the gun in a safe manner. Uh, I would rather that you've got a two-second draw and you don't have your finger on the trigger when you shouldn't have than you've got a blazing fast draw and every soft and you put rounds in things you shouldn't. Um, so, that that's sort of the biggest change I'd make. I agree with you on on sort of, I think we should we should... Cascade our our, our, uh, our focus and, and and cascade our priorities based on likelihood, um, and and that also is going to come down to how much time you have, um, how much ammo you have, how much how much access to training you have, um, and how much of that you're actually going to do. If you, if you're if you're going to the range once a month and shooting fifty rounds, which to be honest is more than most people are, um, then what, what skills should you be working on besides the safety, which you can do all the time. It's accessing the gun. It's the ability to hit the target in a reasonable time period. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's those two things are, there needs to be a balance. Uh, there's no point being able to put five out of five in the same hole at 25 meters in 10 minutes um, because, and, and it takes you two minutes to fire your first shot because the fight's over. Um, by the same token, there's no point having a 0.6 draw and it takes 15 rounds before the first round hits the target. It's 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 be, And anyone who's trained with me has heard me say this, it's being fast enough and accurate enough. Um, it, it's the kind of classic balance of speed and precision. Fast enough, well, faster is gooder, um, within reason. Um, accurate enough, once again, we need to be able to we need to be able to hit a pretty tight um, accuracy standard. Uh, so those, I would put those sort of the next two things and, and those need to be in balance. It's, it's the ability to shoot well enough and it's the same in competition as well. Uh, if, I, we've all seen the dude who blazes through a stage and you go, oh, fuck, he was quick. And then they go through and they go, Charlie Mike, 2 Mike, Delta Mike, 2 Delta. And you're like, that's why he was so quick. He wasn't aiming. He was just shooting bullets really quick. That 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 doesn't help. Neither does, um, you know, the, and, and very rarely is the winning stage either the one where it's 32 alphas um, or it's never going to be if it's 32 alphas and it took a minute and a half. So... It's balancing those. Then, yeah, the ability to clear malfunctions, I think, is a necessary skill because they they do happen quite often. Um, Reloads, I think, are dramatically overblown. Um, It's a skill you need to be able to use. uh, But if, if you're on top of the stuff we just discussed, the likelihood of needing that reload is dramatically reduced as well, especially in a civilian situation. Law enforcement security that's a different thing if you if your if your job is to go arrest that criminal um, well that means you may be fighting through whatever's happening you it 's a different sort of situation your job as a as a civilian defender is to make sure that you and your family um, and any other innocent people you give a shit about um, aren 't hurt so if that's why I say, and this is something that that sometimes people seem to get confused about. If you pull out your gun and he runs away, phone the police, be a good witness, but you've done your job. Uh, But if it does get to shooting, if, if you have the ability to fire relatively fast, relatively accurate shots, um, while it's not going to look as cool as doing a parachute landing fall. um, if if you draw in two seconds, put two rounds in his upper chest, the vast, and, and this is not in every case, but the vast majority of human beings, if you put two high performance, nine millimeter hollow points above his diaphragm centered in his chest, he's probably going to stop doing what he was doing. Um, if you put those two rounds below the diaphragm, if you put one in his left nipple and, you know, one through his right kidney, um, it's probably going to have almost no effect. So the, it's, and it's not because of the bullets your gun was loaded with. It's not because of the caliber. It's not because of what it says on the side of the gun. Um, but we know that historically most people, if if you hit them above the chest with a couple of high performance hollow points are going to have a change of plan. And if that doesn't work, if you hit him in the, in, in the brain with a high performance hollow point, that almost always stops him doing what he was doing. Um, and and that's the thing. So if if that is if that is in your skill set, um, we can we can stop that fight sooner. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind, and this is a bit of a weird one, and this is something that, that American gun writer Masada Yuba has, has written about a couple of times. That um, I can't give you statistics, but it's it's quite an interesting concept. He's written about how back in, I think in the 80s, LAPD and LA Sheriff's Office both at the time used Smith and Wesson Model 15. K-frame, 4-inch, 38-volt, or, or something similar. I, th- I know there was some Model 14s and some 6-inches, but they used 38 trivolts. Um LAPD, for a long time, those guns were loaded with 158-grain round-nose lead. Uh, the sheriff's office used 110-grain treasury loads, so plus P or plus P plus hollow points. The, the sheriff's office shooting the hollow points, according to Youb, had less fatalities when they shot people Um, So fewer of the people they shot died than the guys LAPD were shooting with the round nose lead, the sort of full metal jacket style bullet. For the simple reason that when when, when LAPD were shooting the guys with the round nose lead, they were often shooting them six times to get them to stop. When, When the sheriff's office was shooting the guys they were shooting them fewer times, it was easier to fix whatever bullets, you know, whatever um, injuries there were. But the dude stopped quicker because the bullets were more effective. Um, there's going to be some of that sort of crossover with with accuracy as well. If if you've plowed 16 rounds into the dude, the surgeons are going to have a harder mm-hmm. time fixing that. Uh, so it's once again, we're, and and it's it's important that people understand this. We're not talking about sort of the shot placement stuff to go. We want to kill him as quickly as possible. Um, it that's going to stop him quicker. It may or may not be fatal, um, but that's not. So the the Ayub thing, I think, is an interesting anecdote. Um, but that's why I do, I don't want to be firing a whole lot of shots into the dude um, because I may not have them as well. Uh, you know, the, the, the reality is, despite what everyone says on the internet, not everyone carries a full-size service pistol and very few people carry a full-size service pistol in two or three spare magazines. So training around that doesn't
0: make a huge amount of sense. So uh, one thing before we, we move on to the, uh, to the training and the, and the equipment you actually carry... Um, I can't remember where I came across this. But there was some belief, and I I, I believe this to be true, so I'm going to call it a belief because I have got no hard fact, but um, 357 mag proved to be a lot more effective at stopping people, not killing people, stopping people, than most other calibers of that period. And again, I can't remember where I came across this, but they they attributed to the fact that there was more blast and more flash and people at the time were more likely to stop what they were doing because it's highly fucking intimidating getting shot with that thing um, versus some of the other things. Now I can see that being a thing because we know psychological stops are a thing. It's not something I want to count on. It's not, I don't want to go find the load with the most blast. I don't want to go find the load with the most flash. Um, But it's an interesting, it's another interesting thing like the 110 grain versus the 158 grain where um something they were using proved to be much more effective than something else uh in a um, non obvious manner um and it wasn 't because this is this is this is more death and a little bullet than that death and that little yeah. bullet like they would kill you the same if you shot you got shot in the same places.
2: Um, it's, it's highly interesting i, I 've come across that thing as well um, I have my own heretical and 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 they are heretical beliefs that there's a little bit more to it than the blast and the flash, but it's oh, not no, I'm sure very, it's, it's well, it's not currently sort of fashionable to to think that temporary cavity has any role whatsoever. Um, I, I think it has a slightly misunderstood role, but I'm not going to expound on that because that is a, an opinion and, and not necessarily a fact. Um which I have come across the same thing. It was three, five, seven magnums, often with barrels shorter than four inches, often in the dark, uh, at close range, uh, and I think a big part of it was something we discussed earlier. The dude, the dude knew he'd been shot. Yep. Um, you know, I speak to someone who's been stabbed. The amount of guys I know who've been stabbed who thought they were getting punched and carried on going until they realized they were bleeding. And then all of a sudden there was a dramatic change in, in their sort of fighting spirit, not from a physiological reason, but from a psychological effect of going, Oh fuck, I didn't get punched. I got stabbed.
0: Uh, so yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like I said, I, I'm, I believe that experience to be true <laughs> Um I don't know whether it's just blast and flash, and it would make sense to me that it isn't just that. Um, it's just that's what I've seen it sort of being attributed to. Uh, yeah, no, it's, no. Just, it's it's kind of interesting that this is more likely to induce a psychological stop than that. Um, again, don't count on that. Don't don't go and find the stuff with the most blast. Don't go and find a short short barrel pistol and loaded with plus P plus rounds that you load yourself with like two or two, one because you'll get more flash and more pressure um, I, mean, I, th- I, th- well, I think i might have some glock
2: 33s in stock which is the ultimate pocket flashbang
0: <laughs> there we go do that i, I approve of, i approve of that um, hyper targets shot at sort of retention range turn into confetti
2: it's a, a three and a half inch three five seven sig yeah yeah,
0: I, I approve of that. Um, do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, sort of training with the stuff that you, that you have on you every single day. Um, when I go to the range, I will typically go in range wear. so I'll wear the sort of pants that I compete in. I'll wear the sort of shirts that I compete in. Um, and those are not really um, representative of what I do every day. Uh, now, my gear underneath that will be my standard carry gear that I do every time that I, I do. Pre- I get out to bed in the morning and this is the stuff I stick on and I stick in the same place every day. Um, but when I go to the range, typically I will be dressed for a range session. Uh, now, obviously there's some downsides to that. Um my range wear is, is, is closer to my everyday wear because I live in t-shirts, sort of loosely fitted, sort of light articles of clothing. Uh, but if you, for instance, work in an office and you wear a tucked shirt and a jacket and you go to the range in a light t-shirt or a light shooting shirt that is untucked and is loose fitting, that's not representative of what you do every day. Uh, so obviously there, there needs to be some training that happens both live fire and dry fire uh, from the gear. And when I say the gear, I mean clothing included that you actually use every day. Um, how do you guys approach that? Um, do you set aside specific training slots where I'm going to go work defensive stuff and you go to the range as you would be dressed on that day? Uh, do you work defensive stuff into, into range sessions for for other training um, how do you guys approach that?
1: Yes. So, so for me, uh, hang on, sorry. For me, it's a, it's, it's a fairly simple thing because the pants that I typically wear when I'm going to arrange day, whether they're shorts or long pants are normally pretty much the same thing I'm going to be wearing every day because of the line of work in that, that I'm in. So that's, that's easy. the, the shirt sometimes a little bit different because I'll typically be dressed for um, a range session. But again, that's not vastly different to what I'm sort of wearing on a daily basis either. It's just, it's a different form of material. So I'm wearing laminated shirts when I go to the range and I'm wearing a cotton golf shirt 99% of the time when I'm, when I'm going to work. So for me, that's fairly simple. I work it into when I'm going to be practicing. I'll do some defensive stuff. Um, in that typically at the end of a a competition practice session. So mine's fairly simple. I know for some guys, it's gonna be a little bit more complicated and maybe a little bit more logistically challenging to do all of that.
0: So before T tells us what he does, um, two things there. And T can can sort of add in whether he agrees with us or not. Uh, First one is I would swap those around and do my defensive stuff before my competition training because your on-demand cold skill is more important for your defensive stuff than it is for your competition stuff um competition stuff on demand cold skill is important but you're going to do on-demand cold skill once uh in every match your very first stage um doing your your defensive work after you've shot 150 or 200 or 400 rounds of of, def- of competition stuff um may yield results that are not representative of your actual skill with your carry gear. It'll yield results that's, that's appropriate for your skill level but not necessarily for your carry gear cold. Um, and the other one is I'm sorry, go ahead,
2: I'm actually more on Gaz's sort of side with this. If I'm going to do both in one day, I'd rather leave on the defensive stuff um, as opposed to start on it. Um, Interesting. Simply because it to keep it fresh in my mind. Um, the mechanics are shooting and the mechanics are shooting. So if Gaz has gone to the range or whoever's gone to the range and done 200 rounds of practice with their competition gun, um, grip, sights, trigger, all that shit's exactly the same. Yep. Um, so I would... Ro- so the things that are going to be different are the draw is probably going to be different um, and okay. the, the, gun may, the gun may be... Degrees of different and and then, in my case, I always try to make sure that the targets are different um, but I, the the shooting skill stuff, yes, it's not cold and on demand and, and that 's the different thing if i 'm testing shit i 'm going to do it cold and on demand um, if he 's talking about practicing and, and skill development I, I I want to leave with that fresh in my mind um, and I also would prefer to finish off on the defensive stuff because the mechanics of shooting are fresh in his mind the mechanics of shooting are warmed up which means he's now got more bandwidth to deal with drawing the gun dealing with was probably a slightly harder to shoot gun for most people um, often harder to shoot sort of uh, targets that sort of thing so i i'm in i am in the fortunate position that i have a range at work so i very rarely will do both in, in the same day. I will generally go, I'm going to go shoot my carry gun and wander downstairs and go shoot my carry gun for a bit or I'm going to do competition stuff. Um, if I'm doing both in the same day for whatever reason, if I'm going to go to an outdoor session or, or when I didn't have arranged work, um, I would always try and finish off with the defensive stuff uh, and and focus on this p- particular skill set. Or, or the or the the particularly relevant stuff to the defensive stuff and interesting as, and unless you're doing a test that demand because and that's the thing if you're testing then cold and demand also if you're training it's irrelevant what I want from
0: training is the best possible results uh, interesting so that's the opposite way of what I typically do and I think it's probably primarily because the very first thing I want to do when I get to the range is, a, is an on-demand skill test with what I'm carrying. Um, now, I hear you and I might switch that up a little bit going forward um, where I might move away from doing an on-demand skills test every time I go to the range and instead shoot the competition stuff and then finish with defensive stuff at times. Um, interesting.
2: Your, your your other option, Dirk side, if you want to do that, is... Do a short on demand test to see where you are, do your training session, and then do a practice session with with your carry gear. I like that. that, If if that's what you want to do. Um, So, I, and and related to that, and I hope I'm not straying off the topic or. No. uh, There are, there's a couple of, there's a couple of drills I really like with my carry gear. because i think they because i once again I, and i use the word a lot but i think it's important i want to hardwire a particular um sort of result or particular things in um and there are things i want to do as a cold on demand test there are things i want to do i'll i'll wander down generally change the ammo in the gun because i can't afford to shoot carry ammo for everything um i i'm fortunate that i and and sorry let let's just backtrack before i go on this this thing in in response to the slight differences in in range gear and, and carry gear, the more different it is, the more effort you're going to have to make to deal with that. Um, I like you too. I can dress like a bit of a slob at work. Um, and even if I'm not, uh, I very rarely have a tucked in shirt. Um, so for all intents and purposes, my my carry gun sits in one place in one holster. and The only time it actually Goes to a different sort of position. Is the rare occasion I shoot an IDPA match with it because the defensive pistol short sport doesn't allow me to use my everyday carry holster. Sorry, <laughs> moving swiftly along. Um, <laughs> so the uh, um, so so for me, it's not a it's not a huge change uh, if if your reality and, and and this is the thing if your reality is that you you ankle carry pocket carry <sighs> carrying an enigma under a tucked in shirt whatever um there's absolutely no drama there just be, be aware of two things spend a bit more time working on that stuff especially dry because it's free uh and especially if you're for example using the 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 um, tuckable holster or the enigma because it's twenty twenty one. So fuck off with your tuckable holster. Um, if if that's what you're doing, make sure that whatever drawing technique, especially you're using, is robust enough to work across a couple of different things. So even if that's not how you're carrying, even if you carry under a t shirt or a, or a, 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 an untucked button up shirt or whatever, make sure that whatever you do is robust enough that it's going to clear that garment. It may cost you two or three buttons on your button-up shirt um, in, in a draw, you know, at full speed. Uh, but, you know, so as a silly example, don't be trying to rush down and hook the bottom of a shirt. Um, you know, if your hands are there, that's fine. But – but, and, and this isn't sort of the, 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 the show to go into those details, but ensure that what you're doing is – is gonna work with what you actually carry. Once again, don't be the dude who goes to the range, takes his gun out his pocket, puts it in the paddle holster for the range, does all the stuff unconcealed strong side cause it looks really cool. Um, and then puts the gun back in the pocket or back in the moon bag or back in the appendix holster or, or however you're carrying it and then fucks off. Um, because you haven't done yourself any good. I'm not saying never use that strong side holster. You know, if if you're, you know, like, as I say, I, my IPSEC gear is my IPSEC gear. My carry gear is my carry gear. The, never the twain will meet. If I go on a course with someone and that, that person demands that I do, um, you know, carry in a certain way on the course, I'm not going to cry into my beer. If I want to train with them, I'm, I'm going to do that but make sure that you're not doing all your range stuff from stuff that makes life easy and then you carry in a different way Um, because once again you're now going to be trying to deal with that problem you haven't got that hardwired solution and that's where we start seeing the topic of this show your accuracy and and your ability to do that at speed suffering dramatically no matter how cool it looks
0: on the grams absolutely um, and yeah the the point about the more different it is, the more time you need to spend on it is is highly important uh, and that goes for clothing and it goes for for the rest of your gear. If you shoot a an open gun in competition and you carry a j frame in a pocket, um, you have a lot of deficit between your competition skill that you've built and what you have in your carry gun. Uh, if you like gas and you shoot you know, block 35s or 22s in competition and you carry a 17 or a or a 45 or whatever uh, those are very similar guns they're not the same gun but those are so close as to not matter at all um uh, mentioned his, his clothes are largely the same every day regardless of whether he's working or going to the range same for T; he wears the same sort of stuff regardless of whether he's going to the range or uh Or similar stuff, regardless of whether he's going to the range, going to work, I'm the same. Like my stuff is is generally pretty similar, all the same. Um, If you work in a suit or something, you need to spend a little more time um, because you're probably not going to the range in a suit uh, very regularly, if at all, at the moment. But you can can dry drill that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you should. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the last thing is if you're... uh, mode of carry is significantly different between competition and uh and your actual carry gear you'd really need to work that um the difference between appendix and strong side uh, in clearing stuff there is a difference but the difference between drawing the pistol is not that great Um, if you for instance shoot strong side in competition and you carry your gun in a moon bag or in an ankle holster or in your briefcase or something like that, uh, that that requires a lot more actual training uh, because your skills don't directly transfer or don't transfer as much might be the, the better term.
2: So if you're gonna do that and, and, and we're not saying don't do that, that might be your reality. You might be, your, your choices might be a, a J-frame in a pocket or no gun, carry the yep. J-frame in the pocket, but then you need to try practice that and live practice that a really useful test and to kind of hit in with, with Korn's you know, cold-on-demand test, um, you want to be able to pass Ken Hackathorn's wizard drill with your carry gun from, from your carry position. Um, and for those of you who don't know what the wizard drill is, it's pretty simple. And the marksmanship, once again, to tie in the main topic of the show, the marksmanship standards are not dramatically high, Um but they're they're reasonable so the idea with this drill is it's ideally done cold so it's the first drill you do in the day so like with ucorn what you could do is go to the range and do this first and then do your other stuff and then um maybe finish off on one and, and kind of see what the difference is um but it's your carry gun from your carry position ideally with your carry ammo uh it gets expensive to do all the time but um, and it's it's a concealed draw uh, from wherever the gun is. If you if you carry in a pocket, you can start with your hand in your pocket um, on the gun. If you carry on your belt, obviously you can't stand start with your hand on the belt. Um, and it's three meters. You draw and fire a headshot, strong strong hand only. Um, and it's not the entire head of the target. Um, what Ken does on courses, he takes. Uh, um, <laughs> The, the sort of masking tape roll and you just permanent markers around that. So depending on how far in the day you are, it does get more difficult, um, depending on how much of the, the, the tape's been used. Um, what works really well for that is the current IDPA targets with a four inch circle in the head, that's perfect. So three meters strong hand only shot to the head, one, one shot to the head in two and a half seconds or less. Um, five meters strong hand only or freestyle, same, thing, same draw for everything, um, two and a half seconds or less, seven meters, two hands to the head in that circle, two and a half seconds or less, and ten meters, two to the eighteenth circle in the body in two and a half seconds or less. It's it's not a super fast um, time requirement. The, the, it's it, you know two and a half seconds is is a pretty long time for what's being required. You'd be surprised how many people can't meet that on demand, especially. Um, from how they carry, so what I would suggest is if you can 't you need to look at two things. you need to look at where are the deficits in your skill set. Is it that you 're firing the shot in, in a second and a half and missing um, or is it that you're uh, you know taking four seconds to be able to to get the gun into action, and you need to look at obviously deficits in your skill set. you also need to look at is is carrying this gun in the briefcase am I carrying this gun in the briefcase as a magic talisman um, or is it a actually a viable defensive tool here? And maybe what I should do is stop carrying the G17 in the briefcase and start carrying the G42 on the pocket as a, as a silly example. Um, But that, that's quite a nice example of a cold on demand test with a a strong and realistic accuracy standard um, and a, a, a doable, but also realistic time time standard.
0: Yeah, it's 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 not so demanding in in the time portion of it that you need to rush and potentially you know, shoot suboptimal shots or miss entirely. Um, but it's tight enough in terms of time that a lot of people will struggle with it. Um, it's it's an interesting test uh, because of that. This is not hard, except for the people that it is hard for. Nice. And again, the, like he said, the, the reason it might be hard might be different for everyone. You might be absolutely capable of making those standards, but where you keep the gun just doesn't allow you to, make the, to pass. Um, and, and, you know, the thing with a drill like that as well is that's one of those things where you want to
2: take notes and go, don't go, oh, shit, it took me 3.2 seconds to fire the shot. I'm a total failure in life. Um go, okay, it took me 3.2 seconds to fire the shot. Where are the deficiencies, Matt? Maybe I need training. Maybe I need to work on this. Maybe I need to actually just shoot my carry gun a little bit more and not only ever shoot my my awesome open gun and not be able to deal with with, with this gun. Um and uh you know, you, you can track your improvement. And and if if you're if you're someone who's you know comfortably making those time those time uh the, the restraints then tighten up the time restraint uh you know if if you if if you think doing it in two and a half seconds on demand is a piece of purse then make it two seconds if you can do it in two seconds make it 1.75 if you can do it in 1.75 make it 1.5 whatever um, you know but don't game it then so uh you know it, it's a useful way to to kind of track it you're also You're doing some really solid um, manipulations on not just coming out and firing at the center mass of the target, which is one of those things that I hate when people talk about center mass or the expressions in center body mass, just it jars my ears. Um, What's that center body mass? Fuck you, Garrett.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 Garrett. What he said was center body mass. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, I'm going to shoot. So heads had to, to try that one Yeah, I would have done the same thing. that not
0: Not from over 9mm or not.
2: And, you know, the, the problem with that sort of center mass thing is l- look at the center of your body or center of a target. What is that bullet hitting? It's going below the diaphragm. What did we discuss earlier? You want those bullets above the diaphragm. Yeah. So... That's that's one of those things that, that, that we want
0: to be cognizant of. So that brings up something that's kind of important, which we've we've mentioned already. You know, where the rounds go is very important. Um, a lot of the targets available uh, may have an area that is an acceptable accuracy standard.
2: Mm.
0: But that thing might be in the wrong place. Um, how do you deal with that? Are you just drawing a a different area onto the uh, target in a more realistic spot? Um, do you just deal with that? I'm shooting this accuracy stand in that spot, and you know that you've done enough of this that you will put rounds where they belong, where, where they're going to be effective. Uh, regardless of where you train on the, the targets that you train on?
2: that's
0: a really good question.
2: And, and I, and I think the, the answer is there's a couple of facets to it. Um, for, for myself, depending on the drill I'm doing, my approach might vary slightly. So if I'm doing a okay, uh, Gabe White food court standards or one of my current favorite tools is the um, LAPD SWAT qualification because it looks pretty easy. It's actually fucking hard to clean. Um, where the standards are an 18 circle and a four inch circle in the head, I'll use an IDPA target. Um, it's close enough. Uh, also, if you kind of look at that IDPA target, the circle looks a bit low, but then if you actually kind of visualize where puts would be, it's it it it's good enough for the job. Um if if you have a if you make sure that you're aware of anatomy uh, separately to that, if that makes sense. So yep. if I'm if I'm doing a standardized sort of drill or a standardized test, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try and use the target that that is used for that or as close as possible to um, you know. For some drills, I don't have an I FP- I don't have access to FBRQ targets, and it's too much of a ball like So I'll use an IDPA target because I think the the the, the A zone's a little bit smaller. Um, it's if I, if I'm as opposed to doing a standardised drill. If I'm training, what I'll generally do is staple a B eight with the B eight high in the chest um, on on one of those IDPA targets, so that I'm I'm kind of drawing. There, I'm shooting a reasonable accuracy standard there and then doing what I need to do. So, um, But as we said earlier, if you look at that IDP, IPSC target, the, the current one, while anatomically it doesn't look like anything, um, the mechanical skill, that the target's in the right place. And then jokes aside, and and, and I joke about this in class all the time, but I do it um, when I walk around shopping centers, I, wherever I am, I look at people and look at where I'd need to put my sights to 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 place shots that would stop them. Um, I don't pull out my gun. I don't do it to children because I think that would be a little bit creepy. Um, I don't do it in any sort of malicious way. I just I use it as a as a great sort of three D target environment where people walk past me and I go where would I put the dot because it's tw- the twenty first century and I have a dot on my gun. Where would I need to put the dot to to get that shot in? Um, so that that I think is kind of a because that changes, you know, that it's the old school thing was people, guys used to teach you to aim for the second button in a shirt, uh, you know, a button up shirt, which was awesome from direct frontal. Uh, but if the d- dude turns sideways, you're going to shoot his nipple off, um, which is unpleasant, but probably not a fight stopper. Um, so that's why I, I prefer to kind of think in, in, in 3D. And, and that can be challenging to do with uh, with with targets on the range, and I think sometimes in in the pursuit of of that that sort of realism, guys spend sometimes spend a bit too much time trying to faff around with shit like that instead of working their skills, um, and then just being aware of of where that shot's going to go. Um, and I know a lot of people listening to this and going, "Yeah, but you know, in a fight, I just want to get shots off." And once again, I I my best chance of controlling what I do in a fight is not in the fight. My best chance of being able to control what I do in the fight is in what I do in training. Um, and and w- will I do that 100% probably not. Um, but if I can get 60% of a really solid base, I've got something workable if if I can if I can get if I get 60 percent of fuck all, well, it's completely useless, and and if I get thirty percent of that, it's 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 a dog show. So, it's it's not about you know overestimating your ability or or, or anything like that. It's about doing sort of robust skills development, so that we, you have the best possible chance and opportunity to have those those skills available to you, or or as much of them as possible. Um, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, if, if there's a skill that you can't do and that skill doesn't have to be shooting, um, the act of shooting, um, if there's something that you can't do that is relatively important uh, for defensive encounters, you're not going to improvise that skill on the spot. If you don't know how to clear a double feed, if you don't know the procedure for doing that, um, you're not going to figure that out in the middle of gunfight. I promise you, you're not. Um, lots of guys, if you give them a gun set up with a double feed and uh, you, you have them clear it on the range in their own time with no instruction, uh, they will have a hard time clearing it. You're not going to improvise that skill during a stressful situation. Same thing with shooting. If you can't shoot a reasonable group in your own time, you're not going to improvise miraculous accuracy in the middle of a gunfight. If you can't draw your pistol, you're not going to miraculously learn how to draw it efficiently in the middle of a gunfight. Um, and that's, that's what the training aspect's about.
2: Hackathon's law. You will not attempt in a fight that which you are not confident you can do on the range.
0: Yep. Exactly.
2: Uh, if you know, guys talk about well, do X, Y, or Z. If if you're not confident on the range that that you can do something on demand, you probably won't try it in a fight. Um, a really interesting thing, and 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 one of the things that got me thinking about wanting to do the show is um, Daryl Bolke is a is a US gun writer instructor. Dude, I have a lot of respect for. We don't agree on everything, but I have a lot of respect for him. And he's a bright dude, and and. He, he was with a law enforcement agency that, that was in a lot of shootings. Um, and his guys, he, he got a lot of info from from the LAPD SWAT instructors, the deep platoon guys back in the day. Uh, and bear in mind, LAPD SWAT on average had a 80% hit ratio in gunfights, um, which is freaking high. Um, NYPD on average runs about 10%. Um, and he took those training methodologies back to his guys, and 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 that involved a lot of ten meters and in, in. His guys were taught a classic failure to stop drill: two rounds to the chest, one to the head. If the if, if the guy doesn't go down after the two to the chest, um, and they were using single stack guns, so a lot of a lot of um, reloads with retention or tactical reloads. And what happened was when his guys got in shootings, that's what they did. Um, so they weren't just blasting off rounds. They were, they were, they were finishing fights really quickly. Um and it's not about magic, it's not about anything like that. It's they had a, a really good training base um that got uh, hardwired. Um that became their default response. So it was not a case of, oh, I need to improvise, Oh, I've shot eight rounds into this guy's chest which seems to be the currently fashionable thing. And now he's not gone down. What do I do? Cause he's wearing a fucking, he's wearing body armor or he just doesn't care about your, your results. Um, and that's something to bear in mind. Once I get to use the, 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 the hunting example, those of you who've hunted your hunting rifle is whatever it is. I don't give us a two, two, three is substantially more powerful than your pistol. Um, and, I've, I've shot an Impala clean through the heart with a 7x64, greatest caliber in the world ever. He was dead on his feet and he ran for 100 meters dead on his feet. Um, now, he was a lot smaller and a lot less aggressive than your average home invader. Uh, and the gun I shot him with was a lot more powerful than the gun I carry. So we need to have a, a hardwired response to what happens if that doesn't work. Um, we need to have those good hits because it's more likely to stop him. Um, but we need to have that response to to what happens if it doesn't work, so that, as Kuno said, we're not trying to improvise. We're not trying to oh shit! What I've shot him eight times and he hasn't gone down. What do I do now? Uh, what what we rather want is that, pa, 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 uh, where where we've got a solution, or and this is just as important, training that every time you draw the gun you don't pull the trigger training that the, that the gun comes out, and we we might go to a low ready, high ready, whatever. We might point the gun at the target because it's it's a not shoot yet situation. But having having a and it, none of it is particularly cool. None of it looks particularly great on Instagram videos. Um, it's not as exciting as a lot of the the larping shit people want to do. But if we if we have these skills, sort of pretty solidly done, um, the likelihood of us needing anything else is a whole lot less. As I said earlier, if if in two seconds you draw and go bah, 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 and put two in his chest and one in his head, the likelihood of you a, having to clear a malfunction, having to, to do a reload, having to roll around on the ground and, and and shoot under cars and any of that other shit is dramatically reduced. So while it doesn't look as cool, you're less likely to get hurt or killed. Innocent people, more importantly, are less likely to get hit or killed, because the longer it takes you to stop him, the more bullets he's firing, um, and he doesn't give a shit where those end up. So the ones that don't hit you are are possibly hitting other uh, other people. So the longer it's taking you to stop him from from whatever he is doing, the greater the likelihood of of other innocent people being being injured. Um and chances are he's got friends. Um so I also don't want to be sitting there going pa pa for sixteen rounds into bad guy number one. My slide locks my slide locks back, he finally goes down. And it's not a nineteen seventies karate movie where his friends are now waiting for their chance.
0: They were all doing shit at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. they they don't wait their turn. Really? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, this is not a turn-based game <laughs> No, <laughs> I hate turn-based games, fuck those things um, <laughs> I really do <laughs> so let's, now, now that we've spoken about a lot of this stuff there's, there's one more thing that I would like to to talk about and uh, then there might be some other stuff that you guys want to talk about but let's talk about um I'm going to use the phrase good and bad places to shoot people. There's no good place to shoot someone, but there are effective places and there are ineffective places to shoot people. So if we look at places that are ineffective, um, don't shoot for things like the feet, uh, in general, there might be like super outliers. I understand this, but in general, we don't want to shoot at the feet. We don't want to shoot at the lower legs. We don't want to shoot at the arms. Um, one, it's, it's ineffective at stopping people, but two, those are really hard targets to hit. One, they're pretty small, and two, they move pretty quickly and independently of the body. Um, I can move my arms around while my torso stays entirely still, um, and I can move them pretty rapidly. <laughs> um, like I said, same thing for feet. Um, upper legs can be effective. It's still not the place that I would, I would choose, but there are, there are major arteries that run through there, uh, but not, not ideal. Um, obviously the head is a really good target area, uh, for, for producing stops. Uh, it is smaller and it does also, uh, move a fair bit. So accuracy standards is really important if you are going for headshots, because you need to, you need to be pretty precise, uh, in, in, in the placement of those shots. Torso's, upper torso, upper chest is obviously the, the, the preferred place to put rounds uh, initially. But if people are turning, what you're really looking for is shots placed through the upper chest in a place where they intersect important things. So we're, we're less concerned with shooting people in the upper chest, we're more concerned with having rounds intersect things that are important. So if you get a side-on shot, you want to, and again, this will be something that you need to go work on your own, Um, get some diagrams, get some 3D models. There's there's some available online of where important parts of the body are located and where you'd need to place rounds to intersect those important things from various angles. Um, So yeah, T-Bag, important, uh, bad places to aim for. Um, (laughs)
2: Basically anywhere that's not the upper chest or the head, generally. Um Yep. I what I generally tell people to, to sort of visualize because because it's a 3D thing, um, if you visualize your neck as a as a tube that runs down into your chest. So, so kind of picture your neck carrying on down into your your chest, up to down to about the base of your sternum. If you aim for that tube, you, you're gonna hit something of value um yep. obviously that that fist size target is and same thing with the head it's a fist size target in in instead of the head not not the entire thing um we by the same token and this is not contradicting what we just said uh if all he gives you is a foot, yep. put a hole in it
0: uh, that's why I started with don't yeah. don't aim for the feet. But there are those outliers. (laughs) That's what you've got and you need to work with it. But if you've got a full board dude presenting sort of face on with you, here's my chest and you try and aim for the foot. Yeah. That's counterproductive.
2: And I think related to that, and this is one of those things, you know, people do the classic, why didn't you shoot the gun out of his hand? Um, Because that's a party trick. and, and Movies. In, in in a defensive situation, I think I don't care how good your skill level is. Um, and, and I'm talking, you could be Eric Grafell. Uh Luck is going to be, play a bigger part whether that works than skill because of the amount of movement in the hand. And as we discussed earlier, the downside to that sort of thing is if that bullet misses, you could end up killing or injuring an innocent person. Um and while that possibility always exists, I want to reduce it as much as possible. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're shooting into the upper chest um, with with most sort of modern ammo, so expanding ammo and one of the reasons we carry expanding ammo is with, with decent ammo that those bullets are either going to remain in his body or probably be found just behind him. Um, whereas we start shooting at things like hands in that the, the, there's a lot less control over where that bullet's going to end up. Um, you know, the, the thing with legs is Murphy, Murphy is, is is always a, a factor. So, if you're trying to shoot him in the leg because you want it to be non-lethal, that's when you're probably going to hit him in the, in the femoral and kill him. Um, and if you're doing it to try and hit him in the femoral and kill him, you're probably just going to hit him in some sort of fat or meat and have no effect. Uh, and Bear in mind, if if you're in a situation where you're trying to shoot someone non-lethally, uh, then you probably don't need to shoot them. You probably need an, a, a, a different skill set. Um, you know, if, if you're trying to shoot him to control him, well, you, that sounds like a job for pepper spray or a policeman or iron skills. Um, shooting people is is going to be lethal force. Wherever you shoot them, it's... It, it, it's potentially lethal force,
0: um, and whether you hit them or not, it's still lethal force. Exactly. Uh,
2: so you need to make sure that you're only doing that when it's absolutely necessary. And I know we harp on this, but sometimes people are dumb, and sometimes clever people are dumb, uh, and and people get a little bit excitable, and oh no, 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 no if I, you know, if I catch them, catch stealing my car radio or whatever he's, you know, or the fucking, if he's in my house at night, he's not there to make tea. Don't, don't be stupid. We're only doing this if it's a case of, if we don't, the consequences are going to be worse, you know, are going to be life threatening for us or, 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 or innocent people, um, family, friends, complete strangers. Uh we we're not we're not doing this to pick fights we're not doing this to be a hero you're doing this to stop this person doing bad things to innocent people um and as a result if it's a case of oh shit i'm just going to shoot him in the legs i'm going to let him go away if he's got the tv if he's got the cell phone if he's got the whatever and i'm thinking and it's one of those shoot him in the legs let him take what he's got sorry for you it sucks to be you but shooting people is going to be more expensive than replacing a, a cell phone, even if it's a brand new Apple Twelve or iPhone Twelve, whatever. Um, and so, if if that's if that's the level of doubt, if you're going, oh, I need to try and do, this, then just don't shoot. That it's not that's not a shoot situation. Um, that's a. Hopefully the police catch him later, or you know your ego might be hurt because this person's done a bad thing, and we're not saying that what they've done is right. we're not saying that 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 stealing is right that that anything like that. What we're saying is you don't get to <laughs> don't don't shoot someone without understanding that there's a very good chance it's going to be fatal um and don't apply something that's going to be fatal to a petty crime um, and and theft of anything is generally going to be a, a, a relatively
0: petty crime in the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, you so know. My, my, my favorite, sorry T, my favorite go-to with that, and again, I don't spend time on online forums and things anymore because they're uh, painful and uh, not worth my time. But what I used to see a lot was guys going, if he does this, can I shoot him? And if this happens, can I shoot him? Well, the answer is that if you have to ask if you can, you probably can't. Now, that's not always true, but you probably can't. If, if you need to go and consider, well, has he done this yet? Because, you know, once he does this, I can shoot him. But until he does this, I can't shoot him. Uh, if you need to shoot him, there will be a sense of urgency that you will act upon Um, if you've done some, some training and you have any sort of level of common sense, uh, that you will act upon and you chances are that you will, you will be okay. Um, not legal advice, but if you have to go and go, can I shoot him for this? Or can I shoot him for that? Especially if you're asking that in online forums, um, looking for reasons to shoot people is bad, um, if if you truly need to use lethal force, you will know that you need to use it. Just trust me, you'll you'll know that it's necessary. Um uh, you, you, you wanna you wanna
2: if if it's a must I shoot him, or actually, let me word that better, I must shoot him. Yeah. That's that's when you are going to need to you're probably gonna be in a position that you need to shoot. Um and no, that's that's not because he hurts your ego or stole your shit. Um, it's yeah, as Cornet said, guys all the time. Can I, can I shoot him? Why you don't want to shoot him? If you can avoid shooting him, fan fucking tastic. Uh, th- this is about having a solution when the consequences of of not shooting him are going to be more dire than the consequences of shooting him. Uh, yep. And the consequences of shooting him are pretty dire. Uh, you know, it's 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 not something that's that's taken lightly. By our law but by by the law, in most countries that have any sort of rule of law or even ours, which doesn't have much um it's not something that you know it's and and then there's the this all the other sort of knock on effects of of ha- having to, to use lethal force on a, on a, on a human being um so if you can avoid all of that fantastic it's it's going to be easier to justify as a general rule it's going to be easier to explain in court it's going to be easier. explain to yourself in the mirror when you when you're brushing your teeth in the morning why you shot this other human being um if it was a case of well if i didn't he was going to rape that person he was going to kill that person he was going to cripple that person um you know those are those are justifiable reasons to use quite an extreme level of force um but by the same token you're not there to for revenge. You're not there to administer justice. So even if he was going to do those things and you pull out your gun and he runs away, fantastic. Even if he was going to do those things and you fire your first shot and his reaction is to fall over and flop like a fish, fantastic bullet's done its job, gun's done its job. Uh, you, you don't want to now become the bad guy by walking over and, as as we mentioned in the beginning, putting three in the back of his skull to make sure he's dead. Um, because I no. don't really want bad guys listening to the show. If you're a murderer, fuck off. We don't want you. Even if you give us five stars, we don't want you. Um,
0: yeah, grounds for expulsion from the club.
2: Yeah, you don't get to be in the club if you're a murderer.
1: Right of admission reserved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn,
1: no, straight.
2: This this show and, and, and you know when we discuss the defensive stuff, it's for it it's for the good guys. It's it's for people who appreciate sort of the, the severity of, of of the possibility and and who wanna keep things um wanna keep other good people safe. Uh it's not for vigilantes, you're you're not Charles Bronson. Um you know, this this is not a dodgy nineteen seventies action movie. Uh so, and you're also not John Wick. Um so your your job is not to go around shooting people. Um and if you can avoid that, all the better. If yep. you have to do it, do it fucking well. Um you know, don't 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 be the if 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 you miss and kill an innocent person, their degree of death or, or permanent disfigurement doesn't change depending on who shot them. They're not less dead because a bad guy, shot, a good guy, shot them by accident, as opposed to bad guy shooting them on purpose. Um, they're not disfigured, crippled, paralysed, disabled, whatever. Less because you did it by accident. Um, so you you need to make sure that if you, you you're going to have the possibility of using a, a, a firearm in a public space, you've done. And and there's no guarantees. Shit happens. Um, but you've done everything you reasonably could uh, to, to have the best possible control of that gun, which is not going to the range once a year and firing six rounds. Um, you know, and if you don't have money for ammunition, that's not an excuse. Dry fire. Um, you know, there's, there, there are things you can do to improve your skill set uh, for, for little money if you can spend money, you're going to get better. Um, but this thing's not a magic talisman. And and don't, really importantly, don't bullshit yourself when you go to the range um, with all the crap guys do about how, well, you know, I fired the shot for the chest and it landed in the head. Um, and that would have like, you know, well, look, it's a headshot. If you didn't aim it for the head, it's a miss. Um, because... It could have arbitrarily gone anywhere else uh, don't think that you can you know um, band aid a lack of skill by buying more expensive bullets or a gun with a bigger hole in the barrel. Um, be honest with yourself and if there are weaknesses in there's nothing wrong with not being good at something there are there is something wrong with lying to yourself and to others about being good at it um so if if you're not great at it, um get good at it. Uh, it's it's an interesting sort of self-development thing. And if, if a gun is part of your self-defense thing, you, you wanna be a, a net positive, not a not a net sort of deficit.
0: Last couple of things from me. Um first one, we we have discussed this in the past and I'm going to mention it again, cycling out, carry ammunition. On some schedule, I'm not gonna tell you what you need to do. Just be sensible. Don't change the stuff too to excessively. Nope. Change out carry ammo. Use your previous set of carry ammo productively. Don't go to the range and go ba 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 Okay, those those bullets are now gone and uh, I I no longer have that ammunition and uh, I now stick my fresh ammo in. Use that. Go shoot cold on demand skill with that ammo. Um we may deem that ammo no longer fit for carry, um, but chances are it's still going to go boom on the range. I wouldn't trust my life to, but it'll still go boom on the range. You can use those productively to shoot your actual carry ammo and the ammo that you were carrying a day before you went to the range with this stuff still uh, to one, make sure that they're still functional um, because you might find that your your cycle is too long. You might find that some of your ammo no longer works, uh, but two, you actually get to to see point of aim, point of impact of your actual carry ammo, you get to experience the actual recoil of the ammo you carry um, as opposed to just going to the range and making noise. Um, So I would prioritize making that a a sort of cold on demand skills test when you cycle them out and you you go and dispense of of what you're no longer going to carry. Um, And I had another point and I've completely forgotten. (laughs) Which just sort of typical, isn't it? Um, Well... (laughs) i can't remember (laughs) it'll come to me three minutes after we end the recording
1: (laughs) (laughs) as these things do oh yeah gaz anything from your side dude no all good i think it's all been covered nicely you happy yeah good stuff tea bag is
0: there anything that you you wanted to talk about that we haven't spoken about I'm
2: sure there's lots we could talk about, but I think we've got we covered quite a bit in this time.
0: Awesome. Sweet. Oh, the last thing that I wanted to say, um, which I think we ended at last week's show with sort of to seek out confident instruction. Um, it is valuable and it's, it's particularly valuable for skills that are non-obvious. Um, even for obvious stuff, it's important to get some instruction because you might be doing some stuff that can be improved upon. But carry gun skill and defensive mindset, uh, is something that is not necessarily obvious to everyone. Uh, finding a competent instructor who can talk you through this stuff, uh, and, and show you some of this is of great value. Um, so go ahead and do that. Um, our very obviously teaches, uh, self-defense skills. So that's the dude I would recommend you go to first. Um, Adrian from uh, TDI as well that's another guy I would highly recommend for this sort of stuff
2: um, I'll steal some of Gaz's thunder S- uh, thanks to all the guys who've been uh, joining Gaza's club uh, thanks for the reviews, we really appreciate it um, please keep lying about us uh... <laughs> thanks Andy <laughs> yeah <laughs> He's probably the only one who's not lying. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks thanks to everyone who's who's been uh, who's who's listened to is call and uh, given us reviews. We really do appreciate it. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us uh, waffle on um, and uh, like, comment, subscribe, share all that good shit. Gas, that's the one. Later losers,
1: bitch. <laughs> 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 <Thinking perfect>.
2: <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs>